Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. We're in this series called Jesus People. How many of you love this series? It's really, really good, okay? If you haven't been here, go back, listen to them. They're on YouTube. Uh, You can download podcasts. Um, Go back and listen to it. We're talking about this idea that we don't want to be religious people. Just not interested in it. Doesn't change anybody, okay? I want to be Jesus people, people that are running after the heart of God, people who want to know God, people who want to be like God. That's what will change our city, okay? That's what will change your friends. That's what will change your life. Religion will not change your life. It will actually bring death to you, amen? So we're gonna run after the Lord today, amen? So let's invite the Holy Spirit, okay? It's so important to invite the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will not push himself onto you. You have to invite him. You have to receive him. Amen? So let's invite him today. Father, we love you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that the Holy Spirit came in your place, Jesus, to lead in the guide and give us wisdom and perspective. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would come and that you would guide us and lead us and bring us into all truth and understanding. We worship you. We honor you. We glorify you. We ask this now in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Hey, there is um, a couple, sir, you have a blue shirt on, you and your wife. I don't know if I've ever met you two before, but I just want you to know God is all over you guys. He is just super, super. There's an anointing on you guys, a grace on you guys. I just want you to know that God sees you, he recognizes you, and he is so pleased with you. And uh, man, there's just big things in store for your future. Amen? Amen. Come on. Give it up for Jesus this morning. All right. If you're taking notes, uh, I want you to entitle this, Who's Your Master? Okay? Who's Your Master? Jesus is not interested in just being your God. He wants to be the master of your life. He's not interested in parts of your life. He wants all of your life. He's not interested in parts of your heart. He's interested in all of your heart. Do we get this? He's coming after it all, okay? And we're gonna jump into this right away so that we can get through this, but he has a plan for this. Matthew chapter four, verse 18, point number one today is who will you follow, okay? Who will you follow? It says this, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Peter and Andrew, throwing their nets, for they were fishermen for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two brothers, James and John, sitting at their boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called out to them too and immediately followed him, leaving their boat 
and their father behind. Two really, really interesting phrases and verses right here. The first one was this. They left their nets at once. They didn't think about anything. They heard the voice of the Lord, and they left. The other one was immediately, immediately, immediately. I think this is something that we really struggle in as followers of Jesus. We hear the voice of the Lord, we hear the word of the Lord, we see his word, we see it, but we don't immediately follow it. It says immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. And it makes me ask this question, why did they follow him? I mean, let's, let's analyze this for a second, okay? It wasn't like Jesus was offering them a six-figure salary, right? They had jobs, they had lives, they had families, they had friends, and yet they left everything to come follow him. It would be like this, it would be like me coming to you, we sit down, we have lunch, and I said, hey, I wanna give you an opportunity, okay? And the opportunity is this, I want you to leave your current job. Okay? And I want you to leave your friends and your family, and I want you to go wherever I go. And I'm not going to tell you where we're going to go. This is essentially what Jesus did. It'd be like me saying, hey, I have this opportunity for you, and there's no pay. There's no benefits there's no 401k, and guess what? This is the best part. There are zero days off. And you get to do this with me. At that very moment, you'd be like, check please, I need to find another church. Amen, right? You'd be like, you've lost your mind, Pastor Jeff. But this is what was happening with Jesus and these disciples. He comes to them, right? And he says, hey, come follow me. Now, how? How in the world did they follow Jesus in, in that way? I would have to say it was this way. Jesus was greater than anything that they had ever experienced before. Jesus was greater than anything that they ever experienced. John chapter five, verse, verse one, it says, after Jesus returned to Jerusalem, one of the Jewish holidays, in, uh, verse two, inside of the city near the sheep gate was a pool of Bethesda, five covered porches, crowds of six sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, laid on the porches. One man laying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time, and he asked him, would you like to get well? Verse seven, I can't, sir, the man said. For I have no one to put me in the pool where the water bubbles up. Someone always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus said this, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly the man was healed. Listen, they saw something. Listen, can you imagine for a moment that you were there when that man stood up that had been sick for 38 years? Think about it. It would change your entire paradigm. It would change the way you saw things. 
So for these disciples to make this decision, it was because they said to themselves, this is greater. The question is, do you see that kind of Jesus? Right? This is why the enemy is ruthless to keep you out of the word of God. Because if you don't see consistently that the God of the universe is a God that heals and restores and renews, your perspective of Jesus gets real small, right? It boils down to an, a religious experience. It boils down to just this moment that happens on Sunday morning. It's nothing more or nothing less. And the enemy wants to keep us in that place. My real question to you today is this. When Jesus calls your name, what will be your response? Come on, I should have got an got amen for that, right? It's just you're like, ooh, God, don't call my name, <laughs> right? Isn't it interesting that we will read the Bible and go, yay, they left immediately, Yay, they left everything to go follow Jesus. Yay, we're so excited about these disciples. Yet inside of us, we don't see ourselves as one of them. We look at them and go, good for you, not for me. Just give me my religion. Just give me whatever makes me feel good to take me into Monday. I'm really not a disciple because disciples leave everything to follow Jesus. It's a different perspective. So the question is, what will you do? What will your response be? Because Jesus doesn't just call a select few. He calls all of us. He knows you. There's a purpose, a reason you're alive today, a destiny for why you're here. Jesus is calling your name and the response, what is it gonna be? Will the response be yes, now, yep, let's go? Whatever you're asking, whatever you want, however you want me to serve, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to give, whatever, God, what's your response? Because it's interesting, their response was this. They never said, Lord, let me have some time to see all my options. I think it's so interesting that church is an option now. And listen, I love options. We have so many wonderful options. Some of you are thinking about all the lunch options you have after the service, right? I mean, you're thinking about bread and, you know, and desserts and where you're going to eat or what you're going to grill or whatever you're going to do. And I love all these options we have. But I think we're at a season of the earth where now church and God has just become one of the options. And we make decisions like, oh, I wonder if, I wonder if we really need to go to church today. And listen, I, I've said this before. Like, I, I grew up in church like seven days a week church, okay, All right? And, and some of you know what I'm talking about, okay? And I, I'm not saying that. But the moment that God and church and the word of the Lord becomes an option is a moment that we have lost something with our relationship with the Lord. 
I'm just being honest. Right? We're, we're not really letting him be our master at that moment. You know, they never, they never said to the Lord, let me talk to my family. Let me talk to my friends. Let me see the direction that they're going. Let me see if they want to serve you. Let me see if they agree with you. Let me see if they're running after you. Because if they are, then, then I'm all good. We're all in, right? They never said to the Lord, let me see what you stand for because I don't know if it fits this progressive culture right now. And can I just tell you something right now? And, and, and I'm not doing this to scare you. I'm not doing this to uh, rile you up. I'm not doing this for a political reason or anything like that. I'm just telling you right now, in the next you know, five to 10 years, however long we have left, it is gonna become increasingly harder and harder for you to say, you know what, I am a Jesus follower. Jesus made it really clear you will be persecuted for my name. Because guess what? Jesus isn't going to fit this culture. They never said that. They never said, Jesus, um, I want to say something to you. What you're asking is too much, and it's too hard. Isn't there moments that I can feel it sometimes, like I'm, I'm preaching about um, forgiveness. And I can feel it in the room. I can feel the, well, you don't know what happened, Pastor. You don't know what I went through. You don't know what I saw. You don't know what I went through. How, how in the world could I ever forgive? Because Jesus commands us to, get, to forgive. And there's these times we go, that's too much. It's too much. Lord, you want me to, to serve you with my whole life? Lord, you want me to give you my finances? God, that's too much. God, you want me to serve? That's too much. God, you want me to tell my friends at work about you? That's too much. I never said, Lord, it's too much. They never said, hey, give me some time to ask my husband. Give me some time to ask my wife. Their response was what? They just left everything. They left everything. Jesus puts it this way in Luke chapter 14. He said this in verse 28. But don't begin. I love it. He says, don't even begin. Don't begin to follow me unless you've what? Until you've counted the cost. It's gonna cost you to follow Jesus. Listen, can I just say this, and you may like this or may not like this, but I am sick of this this Christianity that's being peddled, that it's all God's grace and blessing and, and it's all of his goodness and I love the goodness of God and I love the grace of God and I love the blessing of God, but it has nothing to do with you. I'm sorry, 
being a follower of Jesus according to the Bible that I read, the New Testament that I read, the Bible that I look at, it's gonna cost you. It's gonna cost you. And Jesus said, don't even begin. Don't even begin until you count the cost. I told this story the other night at, um, at Wake. It was when I got when I got saved, like really got saved. I grew up in church, um, you know, like many were forced to go to church. Um, I've said this, you know, I was at Sunday morning church, Sunday night church, Wednesday night church, Thursday night prayer. Uh, you know, my grandparents were elders and deacons and I was at the church for that, you know, roaming the church, doing whatever I could find to keep myself entertained. I was at the church all the time. And I didn't care for church, I didn't care for it, and then I ran away from the Lord. And then I finally really gave my life to the Lord. I had a real encounter, not with church, but I had a real encounter with Jesus, right? Because that'll change your life. Church won't, Jesus will. So I had this encounter with Jesus. And I remember, how many remember my friend Taka that came and spoke? Wasn't he awesome? I can't wait to have Taka back. And so Taka, he's Pastor Taka now, but my friend Taka, he said to me one day, we were in the sanctuary of our church and we had these balconies and you could go in 24 hours a day and pray anytime you wanted. It was crazy, like the Wild West, you know, days, the 90s or the early 2000s. And, and I would, we'd go in there and pray, it'd be late at night. And I remember one night the, Taka looked at me and he said, hey, you're gonna have to let go of some friends. And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know when you say the right thing? Like the right words come out of your mouth, but it's not what you really wanna say, right? And so I didn't let go of some friends and, and my life was like a roller coaster with the Lord. One weekend, you know, I live for the Lord. The next weekend, you know, it was whatever party was at the, you know, NIU or whatever college it was at. And I remember as I just spent time with the Lord, I remember one day the Lord said to me, he said, you're gonna have to let go of some friends. You're gonna have to let go of some stuff because these people don't serve me. I'm not their master. And if you want me to be your master, you're gonna have to let go of some friends. And so I started to make some tough decisions, right? Some follow Jesus decisions some leave everything decisions, let go of everything decisions. I started making hard decisions, hard choices, and I started eliminating friends in my life, and I ended up finding myself Saturday nights no longer out with people, no longer having fun on Saturday night, but found myself with my aunt and uncle on Saturday nights walking, watching Walker, Texas Ranger, okay? Now, I have nothing against Walker, Texas Ranger outside of that it might be the worst acting you've ever watched in your entire life, okay? If we're just being honest, okay? And I would find myself in this place where 
It's Saturday night, and I got nobody to spend time with. I don't have any friends anymore. Taka was my only friend. He was the only person that served Jesus. He was the only person that was legitimately running after God. And so it would be Saturday nights where I'm just sitting there. I'm, I'm like, I am, I am 19 years old watching Walker, Texas Ranger. I thought I had slipped into the Twilight Zone like I was an episode of the Twilight Zone, right? And then the worst part was my aunt and uncle are just, you know, they're just older people. And so it'd be, you know, like 8.30 and they're like, oh, time to go to bed. You know what I mean? I'd be like, great, it's 8.30, right? I guess I'll go up to my lonely bedroom. Got to count the cost. And I don't know where you're at right now and, and what God's asking you to let go of. But I promise you there's something. Because I've been serving the Lord now for 23 years. And I can tell you year after year after year, he comes back and goes, I now need this. Why? Because he wants it all. He wants it all. He wants to be the master. Point number two is this. Who will you serve? Mark chapter 10, there's a story of this. The Bible calls it the rich, young ruler. Okay? As Jesus was starting on his way to Jerusalem, came, a man came up to him and knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? Isn't this interesting that this young man that literally has everything is asking Jesus about one thing that he doesn't have? And the one thing that he doesn't have is eternal life because it's the one thing that money can't buy. You can collect all the money in the world and you can't buy your way to heaven. You can have all the things that this world has to offer and you can't get yourself to heaven. You could have all the power, all the riches, all of the fame. You can have it all and you still can't buy your way to heaven. And so he's asking him, how do I have eternal life? He says, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not testify falsely, do not cheat anyone, honor your father and your mother. And teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. I've done it all. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. See, <laughs> oh. See, we think that when the Lord brings a challenge to us, that he is frustrated or upset at us. We think when the Holy Spirit pricks us and goes, hey, we need to make a change in your life. We think 
that God is angry or frustrated or upset at us or God is trying to harm us. It says that with genuine love for this young man, this was his words, go sell all your possessions. (laughs) It's everything. Jesus people understand this. It's everything. Go sell all of your possessions. Give your money to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then what? What does he say? Come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Okay, let's define possessions. It's just stuff, right? It's just cars and houses and property and fame and money and designer clothes and watches and all these things. And, and, and I think a lot of times we go, Jesus, what's the problem with that? And here's the answer that I think Jesus would give. Jesus had no problem and still has no problem with stuff. Jesus had no problem and still has no problem with stuff. That's not the problem. The problem was that the possessions was this man's master. And I'll prove it to you. If the possessions wasn't his master and the thing that he served, he would have let go and followed Jesus. But they were his master, so he couldn't let go. Stuff is stuff. You just give whatever God tells you to give. If it's just stuff. If it's your master, you hold on to it, right? With like a fist. Isn't that interesting? When you hold on to something, you make a fist. And the moment that you make a fist is the moment what? Nothing can get in and nothing can come out. Right? Because you're, you, you're holding on. Right? But what Jesus wanted was this. Right? Because things can come in and things can go out. So what I've understood and what I get with the Lord is that sometimes the Lord will bring something to me and it will be for me to enjoy for a season, but then in another season, it's for me to give it to somebody else for somebody else to enjoy. I think we've given away five cars before. In seasons, in seasons. I remember one time us getting a second car. Listen, we had one car, one car for nine years, okay? A family of four at that time. Nine years, we had one vehicle, okay? Some of you are like, are you serious? I'm like, yes, nine years. And then we got a second car, And I had that second car for two months, and I thought we had won the lottery, okay? And it wasn't like, it wasn't even like a BMW. I mean, I think it was was a blue Honda Civic, okay? It was a blue Honda Civic. And then I heard a story of somebody that had one car, but that car blew up. And the Lord said, okay, give him that car. It's just stuff. It's just stuff. 
I remember my first truck. I remember I bought it from Todd Meyer's uh, company. It was one of their company trucks. They sold me this truck for like $4,000. Again, I thought, oh, I won the lottery. This is amazing. You know what I mean? A year later, the Lord was like, sow this. I was like, but God, I really like this truck. You gave me this truck. I'm enjoying this truck. I'm a big dude. You know, it's nice to be able to see the truck. He says, sow the truck. It's just, it's just stuff. And you live with an open hand. And when you live with an open hand, God can go, I can bless you, and then blessing will go out. I can bless you, and then blessing will go out. I can bless you. Why? Because you're blessed to be a blessing. But when your hand is like this, right, you are the master of it all, right? When you're, when you're like this, you're the master of your finances. You're the master of your home. You're the master of everything. And God goes, you're in control, I'm not. We always, people struggle so hard with this whole giving concept. We're like, oh, God's trying to steal from me. No, God's not trying to steal from you. He's just making sure that you're not the master, that you're not in control, that he's the one that's in control, and that he can actually bring more. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Point number three is this. Who will you worship? Right, you can come on up. Who will you worship? Matthew chapter four, verse eight. And a third time, the accuser, anybody know who the accuser is? Shout it out. Come on, who is it? Satan. Okay, let's make this abundantly clear. The Holy Spirit is not an accuser. So anytime you feel accused, anytime you feel guilt and shame, accusations, you have to, have to pause and take a moment and go, that is not my God. That is not my Father. That is not the Holy Spirit. That's not how he acts. That's not how he responds. Okay, the Holy Spirit responds out of love. He will bring conviction. Conviction is different than accusing. Accusing says, look at what you've done, right? Conviction says, I love you this much that I'm challenging you with this, okay? So a third time, the accuser lifted Jesus up on a high mountain range and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all the splendor that goes with it. Why did the devil show Jesus this? Because he is the rightful owner of this world. Okay? In Genesis, the Bible clearly states that God had given Adam and Eve the power to have dominion and to reign over this earth. They were called to, we're called to, reign, rule, have dominion. God took his authority over the earth and placed it in Adam and Eve. You tracking? And then the moment that they chose, right, they chose sin, was the moment that they handed that title deed over to the enemy. And you're like, why do we have such a crazy world? Right there. I'm gonna have a long talk with Adam and Eve when we get to, to heaven someday, okay? Right? You're like, why is there famine? Why is there all this 
stuff with the climate? Why is there all this, you know, why are kids being sold in a sex slavery? Why is there, why is there this, 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 and this? It's because we have a prince over this world who wants death and decay and destruction. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So he takes Jesus to a high mountain and says, hey, I want to make a deal. I'll give it all back to you. I'll hand it all back to you under one condition. You kneel and worship me. This is what the enemy wants. This is what the enemy always wants. This is what he's always been grabbing, fighting for. He wants worship. And let me tell you something. Jesus said, you will worship not just in spirit, but you will worship in truth. So it is one wonderful thing when we come together corporately and worship. I love these moments. God shows up, the presence shows up. It's incredible. But I really think there's a higher form of worship. It's the worship in truth. Because your life either worships the Lord or it worships the enemy. There's no gray. There's no middle. Now, does that mean that we can't make mistakes? No, you're going to make mistakes. I'm gonna tell you that you're gonna make mistakes, but you cannot justify those mistakes under grace. That's not what grace does. Grace empowers you to go, no, 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 my life will not worship the enemy through this discord, through this strife, through this anger, through this pride, through this jealousy, through these emotions. I'm not gonna worship the enemy. I will not worship the enemy and, 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 and speak to my spouse that way. And you're like, well, wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that when you know, I'm disrespectful to my spouse that I'm actually worshiping the enemy? Well, you're not worshiping the Lord. Do you remember what Jesus said about lust? They, they wanted to talk about having affairs and adultery and actually sleeping with people, but the Lord said, no, it's the heart. It's those places no one sees. And the enemy goes, pow. This is why this, this is the fight of faith. Every day, every day I wake up, I gotta choose to go, Jesus is master. Holy Spirit is master. The word of God is master. It's my compass. It's my true north. Even when I don't feel like it, even when I'm tired and I'm exhausted, 
even when it doesn't feel good, even when I feel like I'm not winning, he is still master. He is my compass. He is my true north. I fix my gaze upon Jesus. I fix my heart upon Jesus. It's all about him. He is master. And I won't worship him. Because here's what I'll tell you. Whatever you worship, you will be. I remember, how many of you remember a few weeks ago, I had, a, I had an old CD, a CD, I know, a CD. I had a CD on stage. It was Dr. Dre, The Chronic, I think 2000, okay? And I had it on the stage. And I, and I talked about that. I, I need you to see something. Whatever you worship, you'll become like. So in that season and time, you know, I worship that music. My words, my attitudes, my actions became what? Whatever I worshiped, right? I mean, I was harsh with my words. I mean, I was, I mean, listen, I'm not the strongest dude in the world, but I was ready to fight at a moment's notice, right? Because that's what I worshiped. I talked about it all the time. I mean, this works like any, anything in our life, you know? Like, I remember, you know, for years worshiping, you know, Michael Jordan. See, things can become these idols in our life. And I always thought, man, Michael Jordan, he's like cutthroat, he's relentless. He'll cheat, he'll do anything. He'll literally do anything to win. I want to be like that. And so the Lord was like, that's not me. That's not my nature. That's not my character. That's not who I am. You know, we'll worship sports. We'll worship hobbies. We'll worship these things, and it will become our identity. It will become who we are. Because why? We're worshiping it. We're putting our gaze upon it. It's what we fix our thoughts upon. You got to choose. As Jesus people, who is my master? What am I going to worship? What am I going to serve? What am I going to follow? What am I going to run after? And I know, I know that you're like, hey, Jeff, it's summertime, right? Weren't we all supposed to just chill out and relax? It's summertime, Why are you talking about these deep things in this summertime? I'm talking about these things because Jesus is coming back soon and he needs Jesus people on the earth and he doesn't care what season it is and there's people to rescue and to go after Jesus people. We need Jesus people. That's why. God's not interested in your timelines, in your thought patterns, in what's going on in your world. I told the Lord a few weeks ago, Lord, I said, I'm so tired, leave me alone. He said, no. That was literally his response. No, you told me I'm the master. I won't leave you alone. I 
And there's these moments in our life, I've been serving the Lord for 23 years, where I have to re-up and go, okay, God, you're right. You are master, I'm not. It does not matter where I'm at right now. It does not matter how I feel right now. It does not matter what's going on inside of me. You are master and I am not. Why don't you stand up with me this morning? I want you to close your eyes. and I just want you to imagine just you and the Lord. Nobody else is there because that's what it would be like on the day that you stand before the Lord. Nobody else will be there, just you and the Lord. And I want you to imagine the Lord showing you his nail-pierced hands. I want you to imagine the Lord showing you his back. I want you to imagine the Lord showing you where the crown of thorns were beaten to a skull. I want you to imagine the Lord showing you his feet. And the Lord looking at you and going, I did this all for you. I did not let them relent. So I could become your master. So I could become your everything. So if you're in here, you're like, you know what? I haven't been living life like that, like Jesus is my master, but I want to, come on, raise your hand real high. Just say it, it's me. Just say it's me. I want the Lord to be the master of everything. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your power and your strength. Your grace that empowers us to overcome, that empowers us to live a life worthy for you, Jesus. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that, that your people would have supernatural encounters with you, encounters in their home, encounters in their car, encounters in their everyday life, where you become the master, where you lead them and guide them and direct them. I release the Holy Spirit right now in the name of Jesus to fill them with heavenly wisdom and thoughts and revelation and truth, not their own, but of you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you fill them with heaven thoughts. Father, I ask that you'd fill them with passion for people that live on their street, passion for people that they encounter at work, passion for those that don't know you, passion for those who that aren't, aren't running after you. Lord, I ask God that you fill them with your passion, 
with your, your drive, Lord, for them. We declare in the name of Jesus that Elevate Church will be a church full of Jesus, people. The Elevate Church will be a church full of people running after the things of God. We declare in the name of Jesus that Elevate Church will run after the face of Jesus. God, we love you. And we thank you, God, for your strength and your grace. And I bless your people. We worship you. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty, powerful name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, can you get real loud for Jesus today?